Welcome to the Vertical Go-To-Market Podcast, where you'll discover new opportunities to grow your business from seven figures to eight from the world's most successful agency and B2B SaaS executives. I'm your host, Corey Quinn. Let's jump into the show. Today, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Hook Agency, Tim Brown. Welcome, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me, Corey. Ah, it's great to have you. I'm excited for our conversation. Could you share with the audience a little bit about who you are and a little bit about Hook Agency? Yeah, Hook Agency is right now it's heavy in roofing, marketing agency. I started as web designer developer about 10 years ago out of college and then worked for another agency and then went out on my own after about three years. I was their marketing director at the end of that three years. It was a smaller agency as well, 25 people. And now we're just like really heavy in home services and roofing. And we're kind of like making the the way over into HVAC and plumbing a little bit. Okay. And so, yeah, home services is huge, really. There's, yeah. there's it's massive. It's an industry. Right? It's massive. And, and if people know you as, you know, people know you in roofing, they don't necessarily know you in HVAC. So like there's just this totally different ecosystems and influencers and yeah. content and all these different things because you know people want something that's very specific to their situation just like the listeners to this podcast yeah. it's a very niche topic but there's people that really probably enjoy it i am one of those by the way <laughs> thanks um, tim because i am directly in that tight target market so like just not being afraid also to just create content for a very tight target market has been a big principle to our growth. Can't wait to get into all of that. What could you share as far as your seven years in for, for your agency? What could you share for the listeners about maybe the, the size of your agency, number of employees, clients, revenue, whatever you're sure. comfortable with sharing? Yeah, it's uh, 29 people today and it's we just hit 4 million on, at revenue and we're trying to go for 6 million this year. Beautiful. So... Yeah, I you know eighty plus clients and yeah, I'm trying to think about any other pertinent details. What percentage yeah, of your client I, are, are are in roofing specifically? Yeah, probably about eighty, mm -hmm. eighty five. Okay, beautiful. And what is your role there as the uh, founder and CEO? What is your day to day like? Yeah, so <laughs> I saw for years and years. I always got like this feeling, like I was like tell people, I'm like it is. They first they let anyone make a business. That's cool. And like, and you don't have to have any credentials. And two, like, I am surprised that some of the stuff that we've been able to do in the, in seven short years or six, seven short years. And I also, I think I'm going to be surprised many more times because I think we're going to keep growing. I am currently kind of leader of leaders. So more strategic leadership stuff, although I have like an ops person and somebody leading business development and you know, we have a money person, it's just my wife, and she's a lot of the detail-oriented little stuff too. And then as far as myself goes, like marketing. So I'm still on marketing heavy. Okay. Client-facing? That's, client that's one thing I haven't quite been able to extricate myself from. It's yeah. kind of like, hope to do that this year. I have a video guy. So I'm like, kind of like Tim plus three outside vendors and an internal video guy, but like I'm very much at the center of our marketing, which is, you know, if you're talking to private equity would be a key man problem. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So when you say marketing, are you marketing for your clients or are you marketing the agency and the brand? The agency and the brand. So Got yes, it. we yeah. have 
really good systems in place, usually about like three per three people per role for every fulfillment thing, SEO, yeah. people, PPC, designers, developers. So redundancies with those people too, just to make sure that like if one person leaves, everything's okay. Yeah. Three account managers, that kind of stuff. And so what are you doing for roofers? Yeah, we do SEO, PPC and websites. And like SEO was our kind of, well, websites was my thing that I was doing, but pretty quick as soon as we started, because recurring is such a big deal and important for your agency. We got really into SEO fairly quickly and I had learned it and how to do it for our agency previously and at my freelancer website that turned into the agency website. I was ranking for like Minneapolis web design. Woo! That was such a big deal for me <laughs> when I was ranking for it. And it is like good to learn SEO on your own company's website sometimes and then applying those principles then to clients who are like, how'd you do that? And so seven years ago when you were leaving the other agency, what, what was sort of the motivation to start your own agency? And at that time, was it a, were you focused on roofers or did that come down the road? Yeah, I, w I was motivated to do it for freedom and like the ability to affect the processes. I think that like I have opinions, you know, and resentments, <laughs> you know, like I, I want the freedom to do as I think is appropriate for clients. And like sometimes there's things that I didn't feel, I wouldn't say they're an ethical issue, but they felt like a, a stylistic difference with just ethical tinges yeah. at my other agency. <laughs> and I felt compelled to do something that I felt really good about because essentially we grow and we get better and better when we really believe in what we're doing. Yeah. So it's like to enjoy my work and to, to get better, but I had built it on the side. So I had more revenue, the overlap method, I had built enough revenue that was exceeding my my salary, which wasn't tiny, but wasn't huge. It was like 70 or something like that. So I was like, yeah. you know, I think there is something that's to be said about like, if you have a hundred plus salary, sometimes it's hard to make that leap. I didn't have this massive salary, but I, it was still very, very scary. And then I was not niched right away. I worked with a coach, Gene Hammett. I don't know, Gene. That, that's the uh, first time I've heard of him. Trenches is his podcast. But anyways, he's a good guy, and he was teaching me a little bit about sales, and he's pushing me to – I would my breakdown is always I go harder on marketing than I go on sales because it's safe and comfortable, and I'm behind a computer, and it feels good. Yeah. So he pushed me a lot to increase that amount of sales into the amount of marketing. So I was he would always push me every week to push into sales, and then part of it was like – Hey, where's your concentration of clients? And let's say I had three out of five clients in home services or contractors. It was like a roofer, a remodeler, and a asphalt company. So like I just kind of quickly found concentration there. And I I also enjoyed the people. Yeah. And I also felt like what we were doing was useful and they didn't they didn't have unrealistic expectations for what was possible. So I just started to move into that where it's like, let's say for software, I had clients in software and food and all these different things. I just felt like they kept on, they were a little bit needy on things that, I, you know, there's different niches that require like more intimate deliverables, right? So like, kind of like for me, it was like a little bit of avoiding niches that needed like this super 
personalized thing. Cause from the beginning, I, you know, I read the e-myth and I wanted to make systems and I wanted yeah. to make a, basically a productized approach to our services. And so I have, I tried to kind of go towards something that would allow me to do that, which it was difficult, but a you know, two, three, four, I think it's probably, it's 2021, summer of 2021, July, we said no more other stuff. Okay. Even though for the last couple of years, we had been really focused on contractors. Okay. So I want to dig into that for real, real quick before we go in there. I wanted to talk a little bit more about your, your transition from a full-time employee to stepping over and leaving that into your, your agency, which as you shared, you, you took the overlap method, which I'm assuming is you're, you're doing the, the side hustle and you're building yeah. it up to a certain point. Did you, looking back on that now, did you feel like you made the transition at the right time? Did you wait too long or did you go too early? I think I, I waited long enough. I think it's just kind of like, for, I really am grateful to that job because I, one, they let me be marketing director and I doubled their leads in like nine months, which was crazy. But I like, I knew how to make leads happen for a marketing agency, right? And I got that experience and that confidence at that role. And I tried to make the transition seamless for them. But I, I basically like, learned a ton about recurring because I knew how to make websites, design and develop websites right. personally. Like, so, but I learning about recurring was the biggest thing that that job gave me, which is like, yeah. if you don't have recurring services, it's just, it's kind of, there's a weakness there, right? Like it's a beautiful thing about agencies that we can create recurring services yeah. and be useful to our clients on a monthly basis. So that was probably the biggest thing that that one taught me, but I yeah. learned so much there. Like, yeah crazy amounts of things just with client relationships and all of that type of stuff. So yeah, I learned a lot there. I'm glad I went out when I did though, because I, I was at a point where I was, could have gotten really comfortable. Yeah. I could have relaxed into that role and just kind of taken my five, 10 K pay raise every year and could have just, just, a, they would allowed me to relax into yeah. the role. And I think, Certainly you could need to, ideally maybe 10 years in, at an agency would be best before you went out on your own, but like you can get comfortable, yeah. you could get really comfortable and then you could say, no, what, not the right time. So I kind of knew that I could, I could be capable of just relaxing and getting comfortable and I, it scared me. And so I went out on my own because I knew my vision eventually was to do that. How far along was the agency at that point as far as um, revenue or, or clients or when I went out on my own? Yeah. Like your, your, yeah, your agency. I, was doing website. I, I wasn't actually offering a ton of recurring. I had the first couple of recurring clients were like, I'm on retainer, but like the, the deliverables are unclear. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to make a white paper for you this month that I'm going to do like a new landing page. You know what I mean? Like I was just, it was like small retainers and stuff like that. So what I did is I took the website revenue that I was getting as I was selling like, let's say seven to 10 K websites. I was taking that and kind of breaking it down over a year or six months and saying like, if it was recurring, this is how much recurring it would be. Cause then I knew, okay, at least I have 10, 15, 20 K of monthly Income. revenue. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so revenue. I just was like putting it away, but kind of thinking of it that way. What's interesting is that, that there's now there's now website design companies who only do a productized monthly sort of monthly fee for a relatively straightforward website, but in some cases home services 
they they don't need necessarily a super sexy website. In any event, yeah. in 2021, you decided, okay, enough's enough. We're going to focus on roofers. What was happening in the business at that time that led you to that realization? Yeah, a little bit of complexity there. We said we're going to only focus on contractors. We're going contractors. to say no to everything else. Okay. And that was July. And then by December, we were saying roofers. So like there was a six-month okay. period where we were unclear about how beneficial niching would be. And then I became personally clear on how the hyper niching would be a pretty big deal for us. And that foreshadows all that was to come, which is lots of good things from my perspective. But yeah. the earlier thing that had happened was walks with my wife, love walking with my wife. And she's always, we, we just always talk about business. And that's weird about being uh, in a company with your wife, but it is also really cool because you have a lot of the same context and stories and feelings. And she was saying like, I'm just frustrated with some of these out of niche clients. And like, we don't know that we don't know medical insurance auto adjudication. And why are they angry at us about this content that probably is shitty about this topic? You know, <laughs> like it wasn't super unclear looking back on what the writing on the wall was for us to go niche as soon as possible and as hard as possible. But we resisted because probably because we were looking at revenue more than profit. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes you got to do that, right? The early years, you just got to like get revenue and figure it out sometimes. But I, and I'm glad I did that. I'm glad that we did those things. I'm glad I learned and cut our teeth and kind of came to these conclusions. But yeah, it was a walk and my wife said, no, I think we need to set a date. And we set a date for July one and we made it a whole party and we did a big, Really, gold balloons that said wow. niching day, and we <laughs> we saying no to other stuff outside wow. the niche. Did, so you, did, did, did you did you did you fire all your non vertical clients at that point? We did not. That was a good. It was good, like to say we're saying no to them new, but going we're forward. not going right. to. Like right. we still have like a lawyer and a wealth management company. We still have like four or five OG sure. clients, but like nothing else new. That makes sense. And so at that point, you said yes to contractors, no to nothing else new. Well, how did you define contractors? Yeah, we, um, I think at that time too, we th we were like thinking like, I don't know, like it all went together. When you're outside of a niche, the niches look tiny. And when, when you go inside of a niche, you're like, oh, there's like 20 different types of contractors that like literally when you say the word contractor it could mean anything it could mean excavation company it yeah. could mean commercial buildings it could mean remodelers and builders and which we don't even really focus on at all like yeah. we're over here and really i'm realizing more of the word the phrase is home services and it takes time to learn all this like from my point of view it took me a while right we went contractors and then we meant home service contractors. We meant like, but like we took some commercial stuff. We still have a commercial construction client yeah. and stuff like that. We wouldn't turn that down per se, but like home owners, it's just understanding the problems that they have and it's understanding like ideal customers and how do we find them? And I think like for us, it's like, the best niches are kind of like the same types of problems 
And like, and I know you're yeah. from your person from Scorpion. The other, I know you're from there, but your other person from yeah. there, you guys talk about the oh shit niches. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I use <laughs> Damn, that yeah. because it's very similar. <laughs> yeah, because we think about it that like I do like higher ticket, kind of intense. Urgent. We need this yes. now. Like I was talking to a, a garage. Sorry, I'm a little ADD. I was talking to a no, garage floor guy, and I'm like. It's just not oh shit enough. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's a considered like, purchase. I was like, what is the problem that you guys are solving? And it's like, well, it's ugly and it could be non-functional space. And it's like, like I'm like, is it dangerous though? You know, like I like I like you know like I like a problem <laughs> yeah. that you yeah can we need zoom a good story on. yeah that's good yeah like because yeah. if there's a problem like if your family's gonna be cold or you're gonna get like sick from water coming in from the yeah. roof or like the heat's out and you're literally like at risk. Like I love that niche. <laughs> Great. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's just an element of like urgency there that helps push through leads. And I like that urgency. I like that need. And that's why, yeah, we went really into roofing partly because we had a number of coaches and influencers. So later on that year, I realized yeah. people don't think of themselves as contractors. And what we need is an identity to go after. And people think of themselves as roofers. And we were just starting to get more and more roofers from an, a particular influencer. And so we just kept on getting those. And then we were closing on, we were getting case studies and like that just starts to snowball, right? Yeah. You get good 10 good clients in one niche, it can really snowball. So does roofers an urgent purchase? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I wouldn't even know. I, I'm yeah, genuinely yeah, because, curious. <laughs> yeah, because the roof's leaking. And then the other thing is, is that storm happens and like yeah. one that is, yeah, a leak in the roof is not comfortable and it's like makes life really bad. Right. Like, so, and then also insurance is part of it. Like part of the reason it's a good industry is because insurance helps pay for roofs. Yep. And so thus, that kind of greases the wheels of money in the roofing industry. Yeah, makes it makes the uh, purchase a lot easier from the consumer's yeah. perspective. But I don't need to create any more roofing marketing companies because God <laughs> knows it is a saturated space. It is very saturated. Unless you're going to go really hard, which frankly you will have to do because yeah. it's, it's they have a resistance to it. Sure. Because there's so many people targeting roofers that yeah, there's like a resistance. Yeah, yeah. It becomes very noise. hard. So, so speak it's probably true with a lot of niches, right? Yeah. Like unless you're going really hard and in it there, in it yeah. with them, they're going to resist you. So niching down into one really tight niche is why that's another reason we had to do it. I think I think you're right. I think every niche that's worth pursuing is probably have a, you know at least a handful of really sharp, savvy entrepreneurs and agencies trying to pursue them. So in that, with oh, that. I didn't say there was any sharp or savvy one. Okay. Except there's a lot of them. <laughs> well, given the fact that you have a, let's call it an unsophisticated buyer, a roofer who is not able to discern from a, you know, a fly-by-night yeah. dude for someone versus someone like yourself who's fully committed, how do you differentiate yourself? I would say you, you had mentioned Joseph Hughes from Contractor Dynamics. Yeah. I would say our... So there are other companies in our space doing the hard work of educating and we are educating our clients. We are essentially always putting out information to try to help them get smarter, but we have other people in the space too that are educating them well. 
and they're doing really good work. There's, there's like coaches and people that are doing that. And it's also us teaming up with those people. So I would say for us, sales coaches and, and leadership coaches and marketing consultants and stuff like that is really, that's part of how we align ourselves with the right people. And we've tried to align ourselves with people that are attracting a little bit higher caliber of roofers, although we're not going after the 20 million plus crowd. So for us, because people do hire internally at a certain point and then their marketing organizations get not more, it's funny, not always more sophisticated. Sometimes they just get more bloat internally. (laughs) Like, you know, that you've probably dealt with some internal marketing managers that... Yeah, you know, it goes over their head. But the point is, is that you you get a bigger or marketing organization internally. So we kind of don't target that. Yeah. And, and I know that there are, are some of our competitors that do target that and have their pricing down for that and like respect because I don't necessarily always like or enjoy dealing with the bureaucracy and my people don't always enjoy yeah. dealing with the bureaucracy of those organizations. So yeah, we've got that kind of like five to 15 million cool, calm, not agitated roofer that we're targeting that's family oriented and trying to pass things off their plate that maybe they were doing. Yeah. And maybe they have an internal marketer, but maybe not. And ultimately they need somebody to get shit done. So that's why I say we're a get shit done workhorse agency. We're not sitting around wasting a bunch of their money and time on fluff. Right. We spend a lot of our, our time and effort on real deliverables and we show those in a really transparent way to our clients. So just kind of like that's our positioning. And then we just have to push that out there over and over and over again. And then also help one, our client, our prospects know that, but also help the coaches and the the influencers and yeah. the and the referral partners in the space actually know why we're different. We help them own their marketing and those kind of differentiate. We know our differentiating features, but we have to say it a lot. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't guess that a lot of my referral partners are going to be watching this, but I know mine, right? I know my differentiating features compared to the half the people that have been on this podcast and they're super cool, super smart people, but I know my differentiating features and I, I just, I, the hard part is when you're bored of saying it over and over and over again <laughs> to the market. Because yeah. like no one hears, everyone's hearing 1% of the yeah. stuff you're saying yeah. or less, right? So you have to get really repetitive in your marketing, which it gets a little tiring as like somebody who's, I actually feel like an expert at marketing and I just get a little bored of it. Agency owners in 2024, do you want to finally escape founder-led sales? My book, Anyone Not Everyone, gives you a unique solution to a big problem that digital agency owners face, serving too many types of clients. In my book, I guide you through my proven five-step process, helping you to transform from a generalist to a vertical market specialist. The best part is the methods in this book are simple, authentic, and effective. It's been endorsed by well-known author, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, legendary marketer, Aaron Ross, positioning expert, April Dunford, gifting expert, John Rulin, as well as many leading agency owners and thought leaders. So whether you're a seasoned agency owner or just getting started out, my book, Anyone Not Everyone, is your ultimate resource to unlock your agency's potential 
and scale revenue. The book launches in March, and the good news is that you can go to my website right now and sign up to be notified when it launches. You'll also get access to some early bonuses just by signing up to be notified today. Go to anyonenoteveryone.com. That's anyonenoteveryone.com. Now back to the show. What I think is interesting is that through this process of being a generalist and then niching down in 2021 to contractors and then going down to roofers and now going to roofers specifically who are between, did you say five and 15 or two and 15? Five and 15. We do, we do accept clients, anything over two, but we actually have turned people down under two, which is weird. So, so that is all to me, that is all positioning, right? That is like, we're built for the roofers who are between five and 15 if you're yeah. below that or you're above that, you know, maybe we could probably help you out, but that's not what we're built for. And that in itself yeah. is a differentiator versus, let's say, an agency who's going to market and saying, well, we work with, you know, home service businesses and attorneys and dentists and so on and so forth. It's a yeah. completely different positioning, right? Yeah. And respect to, like, for instance, Scorpion, where it's like you have the teams tight and all the principles apply, just like the 30 person unit inside of your. 1500 person company versus yeah. for us, it's the whole unit. Sure. And so it's just figuring out how to probably, if I was talking to them, it'd be like how to be nimble. I should, I have no business giving any advice to them, but it's like being as that unit, you're tight in and speaking so directly to yeah. people. And I know that that's just from listening to the other podcasts. I'm sure that's how they operate. But do you employ any salespeople? Yes. We just hired our second. And our first is incredible. She sold $3 million last year. And so, and I taught her from nothing. She had a $35,000 job before that. And so I had to change my identity as somebody who said, I don't, because I said, I don't know sales a lot. I said that. And I had to stop saying that when I hired her. And I had to start saying, not to her, that would be weird. But I started saying (laughs) to myself, I am a sales sensei. And for me, that was a sticky and memorable thing for me to help change my identity and my mindset around this. And I needed to act as if I had something of value to share with her. And in that process of training her, one, I sharpened my own skills and I was looking for great new tactics and strategies. And two, I, I clarified my real... Thoughts about sales, which are be a cool person, be nice and try to be helpful. And then you learn other ideal things, like little things with like positioning and stuff. There's, there's nuances, tons of nuances, and you should be a student of sales. But it's the kind of the basis of the type of person you are. If you can be helpful and friendly, the other stuff will come. Yeah. Be helpful and friendly and relentless. Like you do have to be like consistent, <laughs> follow up and give yeah. a shit, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a book on my desk that's called Go for No, right? Oh, that's a good, that's yeah. a good one. <laughs> it's all yeah, about. I read all the books too. Like I, I'm not, I'm, I'm a student of sales. Yeah. yeah. And I used to think I'm, I wasn't good at sales. And now I know I'm, I am good at sales. And I believe sales is a, is a really important part of running any business and being a professional really. When did you realize that you had to rewire or sort of reframe the self-talk about I'm not a sales expert? Like what what made you realize that? Yeah. 
I went through that twice. Once right at the beginning of the agency where I spent a year learning like Grant Cardone or whatever. You know, I went through this whole thing and did all the the exercises in his course, you know. And then the other time was two years ago when I was really training this person up and she needed guidance and we just had another salesperson leave. And it was really just, yeah, you you see how that recurring thought pattern about whatever it is, and lately it's been leadership, right? Like, oh, I'm not a leader. I'm not a manager. You know, you say that enough times to yourself, then you're going to act as if that's the case, right? You're going to avoid hard conversations. You're going to act a little squirrely in a really difficult situation with your people. But if you say to yourself, I am a leader of leaders, you know, if I say to myself, I actually know how to handle difficult conversations and dang, I'm becoming an expert at like leading people and motivating them. Like it goes hand in hand with how I behave. It's weird. But yeah, the sales one, I just, I usually, it was around the, the new year, two years ago. And I love the new year push. I love doing the new year. Yeah. Everyone talks smack about resolutions, but I love a good new year push. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. And at that same time, it happens to be that roofers also are making decisions on their marketing. So we had a lot of at-bats, you know? So that experience of just going through reps with her, trying to, I don't know what I don't know what really instigated. I got to change. It was it was just I keep on putting myself in situations where the business is getting bigger. I'm hiring a little bit ahead of our need. I, I've done that. It's scary. You should probably watch that, but I've done that, and so I have to sell. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I right. have to figure out. <laughs> I ships I'm are burnt. Building, I am building the structures of an organization yeah. a bit bigger than we are now, right? Like I'm always kind of building that and it's kind of like, and I've told our people we're going to do it. Yeah. So I've got to go hard and it's so much on marketing because you have to create those opportunities. And for us, we don't have, Corey, we don't have a good outbound sales system. So <laughs> we should, we should learn it. Right, because it's good to have multiple, you should have multiple legs on the stool. Otherwise, otherwise, something could bump you and you're yeah, falling down. But that's right. I know that my business needed me to step up. And it's kind of been that way from the beginning. It's like, I just keep on putting myself in uncomfortable situations and I need to step up and I need to grow as a human being. And part of it right now is just learning how to not be burnt out and learning how to rest and learning how to like treat me like I would treat an employee that was burned out, you know, like, which was, I, I feel better. I had the holidays and I got some good rest, but I was burnt out there for a little while. I admire your self-awareness. That's really great. And, and growing through these opportunities. So that's really cool. When did you hire your first salesperson? At what point in the agency? Yeah, I think I did it a little sooner than some people would. I think I was like, like five, six people. Okay. And what was the conditions in the business that caused you to say, okay, I'm going to hire someone? Yeah, I think I was trying to get into the, I was trying to, you know, you're trying to balance operations and sales. And we did have a, a some flow, some lead flow. I was always like the guy that said like the wellspring of leads is like the whole, like where the whole thing comes from. That was for me, that was like tenant. So the leads were pretty, you know, pretty rhythmic and I just needed to go like fix some operation stuff and like hire my first, you know, 10, 15 people. Like I was like, cause I'm on, I was on HR and hiring. So I'm trying to <laughs> get that over here. And there's also like, because of the way we did inbound, 
like SEO for ourselves and stuff like that, there was a lot of low quality leads, you know, like that is a, a source of some low quality leads, like organic, whatever. So it's like dealing with those too, right? So that was a that was a little bit of like it had to have somebody on it. And if even if you have low quality leads mixed in with your good ones, if you don't treat them right, if you're rude or you don't have somebody that's like paying attention, you could burn your reputation in yep. a market like yeah. now the way we deal like we have enough effort and time and energy on those opportunities because we pr we found that they become real leads later half the time that they refer us sometimes now like because yeah. we're just being cool and we like try to you know help them but yeah that was the in you know that was the impetus like i can't do both i can't do operations and sales yeah um at the same time any lessons learned from that first hire yeah don't think you're gonna go grab from a competitor and they're going to be brilliant. Like, and if they're easy to grab from a competitor, they're probably not their highest performer. Like I promise you any badass from Rhino or Scorpion or like these other like kind of leaders are probably going to be sticky to the org. Like they're stoked because they're like, they sold themselves on this company, right? Sure. They're like, they're closing deals and they're, Right. A lot of you know, their, their personal income is going yeah. up and up and yeah. up and they're not, they're not easy to just, yeah. you know, and they're I, wouldn't, expensive. I wouldn't waste the time. <laughs> I wouldn't waste the time. Get somebody yeah. else from a different organization, like get somebody from outside, get them into sales and show them that you can make over a hundred K. I don't know. That's, that's my take, but I'm sure like there's different levels of sophistication on that yeah. and executive hires and stuff. But yeah, we've been a kind of build from scratch kind of org. Well, it sounds like the, at least the latest salesperson that's really working for you. What role does thought leadership play in your growth? Content yeah, marketing, so that type of stuff. It's interesting because I think, honestly, I've been moving a little bit into more entertainment. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to be the entertainment a little bit for my industry. I've learned that from Dimitri, who is a, a, a marketing kind of a YouTube, he's a YouTuber in the roofing industry. And I've learned it from other ones like Victor Rancor and HVAC. Like he's a personality and he's entertaining. Like he's not just doing sales training on his reels, you know, and his TikToks. He's, he's like saying controversial stuff and he's kind of slapping people across the face and he's, you could call him like an instigator. Like these, these are the I'm learning from these people a little bit because they know how to get attention. Yeah. And then I, I am trying to position myself as a thought leader. I am. I, I definitely like a year or two ago, I said to myself, I want to, I'm going to try to be an influencer mm -hmm. and thought or thought leader. Like those could be interchangeable. Yeah. Right. Right. So I tried. It's fucking hard, Corey. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> and it's hard. It's a long game. Like, it's a long yeah, game for sure. Especially in an industry where I'm, you know, yeah, I've put a couple of shingles on a roof, but like, I'm not a, I'm not a roofer and yeah. I'm not a roofing business owner. Like to try to be an influencer in that market is crazy. Why is that? Why is that important? Being a roofer, like being one of them? Yeah. Like it's easy. It's way easier if you were, because yeah, 
it's it's an identity and we have a resistance to people that don't have our identity you know like and there's there's a natural especially resistance to marketers what is the seth godin book everyone hates marketers like they hate us <laughs> and they hate us one because we're on the computer and we got soft hands yeah you know? like we're That's a good point we we've got and they might think we had a silver spoon or something because like whatever like business but business is hard everywhere but it's like people don't see it so it's not like you can pretend your way into that so what i've done instead and this is my go-to-market strategy is i have been a student and i throw myself into the the niche with all of the vigor of who will become a high performing student of the business not necessarily of roofing i'm a, i did roof a house i did trade places with a ceo for a roofing company for a day i do i did shadow the 18.5 million dollar roofing sales guy for a day i do roofing office tours i throw my and i go in with video and i do that that's my go-to-market and it's positioning alongside of them in in no way shape or form am i trying to be this the hero of that story i am pointing a spotlight on these high performing people and i think if the amazing people that listen to this podcast could get anything would be that you can be a student and people will still respect you. You don't have to pretend to be the king of that industry. If you go to the king and you say, Hey, how can I make you look good? Then that is access, especially if you have actual valuable things to give the king. You know what I mean? So that's like been my go-to-market strategy. I keep on doing that. I keep on doing that. I'm going to do that in HVAC. And I, I I know that I already see the people that have. Yeah. But the, the thing about market, like it is soft. Like people hate marketers. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> it's easy to drop one and yeah. get a new one. You know what I mean? So like that's the tough part about trying to go into a new market is I know somebody's coming. I can see it. Like I'll go to like an HVAC event and then I see – my competitor going to the roofing event kind of like creating a <laughs> at my base of power it's like when you yeah. ever play those war games those computer games where it's like you're attacking somebody's base and they're attacking yours yeah. i feel that <laughs> you know what i mean so we do it we do it it's fun i do think in competition i think that like people that pretend that that's not a real thing is kind of bs but i also am confident enough in what we're doing that i think Eventually, HVAC will accept us as one of them. And roofing, they already a lot. Of, a lot of it is they they appreciate what we what we do for the industry. And I think that we've done enough, and we will yeah. continue to do more. That like they actually appreciate us, even right. though we are marketers. So you actually care. It's not like you're just trying to come in and, and capitalize on all these you know, naive yeah. roofers and take all their money and not really yeah. provide value. No, yeah, we actually we actually give away everything we do for free, like as far as like our information, and I know how to do it. And so I share that information and I show them how to do it step by step, and I in no way think they have to work with us. Like they could yeah. easily just follow all of my YouTube video tutorials on exactly what to do step by step every step of the way. It just so happens that most people are making more money, like our ideal customers making more money doing their real main thing. Yeah professionalization right i'm making more money selling roofs leading people and creating a badass business than i would if i went and learned seo for 
300 hours. Sure. You know, so like that, that's probably what it would take to be kind of an expert or at least like proficient at SEO or something. Like that. So I'll show them everything I've got, but people respect us. I think partly because we're just bold and we're, we will give it all away and we're not scared. So you, you've gone down this road a couple of years now, almost three years with regard to the, the roofers. Now you're expanding into, into HVAC. What's happening in the business that's causing this to become a priority? Yeah. So there is something to be said about having too many clients in one market. So we've identified 500,000 people to 500,000 population to one client ratio is what we're trying to do. So as we see the pressure on certain cities, like let's say Dayton, Ohio, where we have too many, you know, like we can't take any more roofers. We would like to essentially create this additional, it's not a bad, it's not bad pressure right now. It's not like, but we are one out of every 30 prospects or whatever. There's too many in their market and we can't take them. So we've decided to, instead of just loosening up on that restriction for ourselves, because it's, you know, we've decided to go ahead and, and build out these separate ones. So it's something that if we talked about it openly, that our customers would be really excited about. And so as I do this, I'm even saying, just in case my roofing clients watch a podcast on HVAC, I say, this is why we did it. And I hope that our respecters or our uh, roofers respect us for that, like that they like why we went into it and that we bring everything we learned back from this like niche within a niche to their niche within a niche. And there are so many things to learn because HVAC is like sophisticated on a level that roofing is not yeah. right now because of the private equity and stuff like that, that rolled through. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're just trying to, it's three to five years out really, Corey, where it's going to be a problem. Like it would be a problem. So we're, it's just kind of forecasting that three to five years and trying to build the backstory now to then we'll have 10 clients by the end of the year and then it will snowball to 30 next year Smart. in HVAC. That's great. So just a few more questions before we wrap up here. So what are the negatives to verticalizing you know, an agency? You've already mentioned that there can be a client concentration issue. What else comes to yeah. mind when you think of like you know, a negative? Yeah, creative burnout. I think that creatives like designers, like you have to hedge with them a little bit on the front end of the job. And so we had designers leave that we realize if the way we talk about it now with new designers coming in has to be like, how can you make this constraint a creative problem that is we do custom design every time. So like, how can you make that constraint of doing only for roofers or a lot of roofers, right? how can you make that constraint into like something that helps you grow? And that's something you have to learn how to talk about to creative people because they have a different perspective and it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't even have time matter how much money they're making. They're, they're concerned with career growth and opportunity growth and understanding how this is going to help their long-term career. What if they got pigeonholed and they could never work at another agency that's right. not roofers or HVAC, yeah. right? So it's kind of figuring out how to position that because it is, even if we're the best in the world at HVAC and roofing, marketing and, and websites, like it is going to be boring. So we got to figure out how to talk to that about our people. 
And just you get really sick of like, there's a lot of infighting squabbles with your direct competitor. There's weird stuff that happens with competitors and you, you, there's risk, reputational risk. If somebody blows up on you in like the niche groups or something like that, it can hurt your chances. Okay. Or like if you were that niche, like, and you have a couple big event, pe like people for big events say, you know what? You can't come to these events anymore because of some reason, then you're kind of mm -hmm. held back. So you got to why, like if, and this is what I'm recognizing as I go into the secondary niche is like, it may feel unimportant now as I'm like having these little, like whatever, like, cause I put myself out there. So some hater or some, you know, cool person probably that's just saying something annoying to me on Facebook or something like that. Like I got to watch it. Cause you don't know how influential that person is in that yeah. new niche. And you got to watch how you, just everything matters. You got to watch how you talk to people because every single one of those people could either be an advocate or a detractor from your marketing agency. And that's the toughest part is now dealing with this ego yeah. that I got in roofing a little bit. Like I do have a little bit of an ego because they treat me nice over there. They think I'm cool. And I'm going over this new niche where they don't. They yeah, don't care about over. me at all. Yeah. And, yeah. and I have to be like, I have to bring the ego down and go, every one of these people could be like important. I don't know. It's hard to say it like that because yeah. it's kind of mean because it's like, I'm kind of saying there are unimportant people and more important people, but it's like some of the people in roofing that you wouldn't think are influential. They're not influencers or anything. They're just roofers. They're just, but they're like, they advocate for us, man, yeah. because we, we sent them a piece of swag or we, you know, like we're just nice to them at a trade show or we, made a piece of content that they, that really helped their career or whatever. Like, because of that, we have advocates all over the place for us. So don't come at us. Cause we like have people that yeah. will defend us. Like even root for other roofers that go after us, there'll be five people in their comments kind of messing with them. I'm not saying that's like a guarantee, but I don't have that now going to this new niche. Yeah. So that's, the, it's just a totally, it's a fun world. Cause it's like, there's nothing better than getting humbled and like just starting from scratch, it yeah. feels good. Cause yeah. like ego is completely like nonsense half the time. So great answer. Two more questions. What would be your parting advice, particularly for agency owners who are struggling for, uh, with scaling? It's a really good question. If you're struggling with scaling all the things, right? Niche, hyper niche, try to niche harder. Daria recurring as you move it, like culture is not bullshit. Like if you can figure out how to start to create like a little bit of culture to keep your people and get them excited, like what's the mission? What's the real mission? Like our mission is to help people recognize the truth about the trades and that there's, it's, it's incredibly lucrative. It's anchored and it's important for your community. Yeah. Like if you get a bigger why and like that, why it's so it's all this, it's all the basic stuff. Corey, you know, it's just the, it's the simple stuff that you have to have as an organization, but that stuff is weirdly important as you get, as you get your sixth and your 10th and your 12th employee, because if you don't have that stuff, then it's just like you, and I've been through it, right? Where you're just shedding an employee for every employee you get, or like, it's just tough to build an organization without a little bit bigger why, and like, you got to believe it. 
you know, the best salespeople believe in it and the best leaders believe in it. So like, that's what I'm working on is like, how can I get more belief around what we're doing? And if I need to modify it to believe in it, I'm glad I get to do that. Oh, that was a great answer. Last question. What's your motivation? Money and my child. And I, I say I'm, I'm greedy. And I, when I say I'm greedy, I say, I don't just want money. I want money. I want to enjoy my work. I want to think it's really cool. And I want to do something that's like good for other people where it makes my long-term life like something that has a legacy and people remember me fondly as somebody that inspired them. Like, so I'm greedy because I want all of that. I don't think I just have to like, just to get money, but it, you know, like when you're early, you got to cover that. That's awesome. Where can people reach out to you to ask a follow-up question if they're interested? Tim Brown on LinkedIn might be a good spot. Tim Brown Hook Agency. Maybe just throw that in there with it and you'll find me and I'm happy to answer anything and be of service if I can. Beautiful. Well, you've been of service for this entire episode. So thanks again for coming on. It was great. Thank you. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Corey Quinn, and I hope you join me again next time for the Vertical Go-To-Market Podcast. If you receive value from the show, I would love a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, and we'll see you soon.